Is President Trump militarizing cybersecurity? And how the insider threat environment changed since Chelsea Manning leaked government documents to WikiLeaks. These stories and more coming up on the ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro. As president, improving cybersecurity will be an immediate and top priority for my administration. That's President Donald Trump back in October. As we start today's ISMG Security Report, we'll look at what could be the new president's cybersecurity agenda. It's only been days since the inaugural, and with the exception of a brief posting on the White House website, President Trump has yet to articulate his plans to toughen the cyber defenses of the government and the nation. The post appeared under the category titled, Making Our Military Strong Again. And in it, the Trump administration characterizes cyber warfare as an emerging battlement. It says, we must take every measure to safeguard our national security secrets and systems. We will make it a priority to develop defensive and offensive cyber capabilities at our U.S. Cyber Command and recruit the best and brightest Americans to serve in this crucial area. Based on that one post and one comments he made during the campaign, the Trump administration likely will increase military involvement in defending the federal government and the nation's critical infrastructure than did the administration of Barack Obama. Here's Trump speaking in November. On national security, I will ask the Department of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff to develop a comprehensive plan to protect America's vital infrastructure from cyber attacks and all other form of attacks. Placing the Defense Department and not the Department of Homeland Security would diverge from Obama's policy and one endorsed by many security experts to have a civilian agency oversee the protection of the nation's critical infrastructure, which is mostly owned and operated by private companies. Still, evaluating the cybersecurity of critical infrastructure is a good start. I think that it's very important for the president to understand what is the state of affairs that he's inheriting from President Obama. And I think that's important. That's Melissa Hathaway. She served as a top cybersecurity advisor to Presidents George W. Bush and to Barack Obama and conducted a comprehensive cyber review for Obama shortly after his term began eight years ago. Speaking before Trump's inaugural, Hathaway said in making the assessment, evaluators should just focus on the most important ones from among the 16 critical infrastructure sectors designated by the Department of Homeland Security. It's important at this point in time that we focus our resources, the time, talent, money that it's going to take an executive bandwidth to clean up some of the core infrastructures. And I would start with energy and I would be followed by telecommunications and then followed by finance. There are three critical infrastructures upon which this country really relies on. And to define that there are to be 15 or now growing to be more than that based on the current state of affairs, I think is irresponsible. So I think it's important that President 45 reviews the state of affairs. In developing a cyber strategy, Trump doesn't just want to play defense. As a deterrent against attacks on our critical resources, the United States must possess and has to the unquestioned capacity to launch crippling cyber counterattacks. And I mean crippling, crippling. This is the warfare of the future. America's dominance in this arena must be unquestioned. And today, it's totally questioned. People don't even know if we have the capability that we're supposed to have. Cybersecurity is not only a question of developing defensive technologies, but offensive technologies as well. 
One of Barack Obama's last acts as president was the commutation of Chelsea Manning's 35-year prison sentence for stealing and giving to WikiLeaks 750,000 classified and sensitive documents and videos. She will have spent seven years in confinement when she's released on May 17th. A soldier who served in Iraq, the Army trained Manning as an intelligence analyst and granted her clearance to access classified materials. Disenchanted in what she perceived as American misdeeds in Iraq and Afghanistan, Manning downloaded classified materials to a read-write CD and smuggled it through security by labeling the media as Lady Gaga. Whether you feel Manning is a whistleblower or traitor, the fact is the government failed to secure adequately classified and sensitive materials from those who should not gain access to them. Randy Trezak leads the CERT Insider Threat Program at Carnegie Mellon University, and he says people, including those in the military, viewed trust differently at the beginning of the decade than they do today. Many times back then, almost six to eight years ago, it was a trust model that relied upon a security clearance process that did proper vetting of employees. But where the organizations back then tended to be a bit limited is in the trust but verification of the activities that were happening on networks and systems. Background checks for those seeking security clearances are thorough. The government spends a lot of time and effort vetting individuals to determine their trustworthiness. And after conferring individuals with security clearances, the process is repeated again, but not for another five to seven years. Establishing someone's trustworthiness at the time of the vetting doesn't mean they'll remain trustworthy a few years later. And there's a significant amount of changes that could happen in the five to seven year period that might uh, incentivize someone to want to do something maliciously against an organization. As the, the government and the security process now is evolving, we're seeing many organizations that are going to more of a continuous evaluation model to where the vetting happens on the way in or as you're getting a clearance, but the continual evaluation of those risk indicators to determine that someone is continually able to be trusted with the protection of critical assets, whether that be in the DOD, the federal government, or in industry. To continually evaluate someone to assure they still merit their security clearances, the federal government and other organizations have developed systems that employ security information and event management logs and behavior analytics software to monitor the activities of the individual. Again, Randy Treese. What you want to do is look for certain activities that you have access to to identify someone who may be doing something of concern. So, for example, if people are on your network or system searching for ways to exfiltrate data, an alert might happen when you go to a certain website. Or if someone is concerned about a potential polygraph that might come up, if I'm searching on my internet for ways to beat a polygraph. You know, those are specific actions that can be detected by an organization that might indicate somebody may be likely to do something later on that might be of concern to the organization. To protect privacy and civil liberties, TreeSec says these continual evaluation programs cannot be tailored for an individual try to detect certain activity that's consistently looked for across your entire employee population as opposed to selectively turning on the alerts for certain people that you perceive to trust or not trust. The tools and technologies are looking for behavior of concern that is clearly defined and it's consistently enforced for that same activity that will alert on anyone who does it as opposed to a person that you may or may not trust. That's the important component of an insider threat program, consistency of implementation and looking for activity as opposed to the opinions or belief of somebody who is more likely to be doing something of concern to the organization. 
You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. The corporate culture at the leading global payment services company, Western Union, seems to have failed to provide the proper checks and balances needed to curtail fraud by some of its agents. ISMG Security and Technology Editor Jeremy Kirk explains. For eight years, Western Union turned a blind eye to its money transfer agents who aided fraudsters sending ill-gained funds around the world. That is the allegation made by U.S. prosecutors and regulators, and one in which Western Union has agreed to a record settlement. The company will pay $586 million for violations that occurred between 2004 through 2012. The funds will be used in part to repay fraud victims. In a statement, the company maintained that over the last five years, it has strengthened its anti-fraud and compliance controls. Western Union has long been in the sights of regulators and prosecutors. Since 2001, 29 Western Union agents have been charged and convicted of helping fraudsters conduct transactions with suspected criminal proceeds. The cases brought by the Department of Justice, several states' attorneys general, and the FTC sought to resolve what the agencies viewed as systemic problems and how Western Union vetted transactions and its own agent. Long favored by scammers and cybercriminals, Western Union charges up to 10% of the amount being transferred. It's fast and quick, and recipients can walk out of an agent's office with cash in hand. In 2015, the company moved $82 billion worth of consumer payments. Senders and recipients are required to show identification, but law enforcement officials have long suspected that Western Union employees were working in tandem with fraudsters to make transactions harder to investigate. While Western Union has had in place anti-money laundering controls, prosecutors contend that those rules weren't enforced, particularly amongst high-volume agents. For email scams originating in West Africa, Western Union services offered a way for fraudsters to avoid using big banks. Those type of scams often defrauded those who were unfortunately gullible to fall for promises of inheritance from distant relatives or, in many cases, hopes of long-distance romance. But U.S. prosecutors implicated Western Union in much darker schemes, human smuggling. The DOJ found that hundreds of millions of dollars were sent via Western Union by illegal Chinese immigrants to pay their smugglers. In exchange for the settlement, the DOJ will defer prosecution on two felony counts, failing to maintain an effective anti-money laundering program and abetting wire fraud. The FTC had accused Western Union of violating the FTC Act, which in part prohibits companies from participating in deceptive practices. The settlement also ends an investigation by the U.S. Treasury Department's Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, which was investigating potential violations of the Bank Secrecy Act. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. Finally, until earlier this month, Andy Osmond served as Assistant Secretary for Cybersecurity and Communications at the Department of Homeland Security. Osmond left his post earlier this month with a change of administration. Now Osmond has a new job as Co-Chief Information Security Officer at the investment bank Goldman Sachs. Goldman Sachs partner and Chief Information Risk Officer Phil Venables confirmed Osmond's hiring. In a LinkedIn message, Venables told me he moved up to run the investment bank's enterprise and operational risk unit within the risk division, but he'll continue to have oversight of information security. Venables said he hired Osmond to backfill his CISO role and will share the job with another Goldman Sachs executive as part of Venables' succession plan. That's the ISMG Security Report. Our theme is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Eric Chabro. Catch you next time.